really have a video of all of us dancing as this music plays. Good morning, good evening. What was the other one? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank hello, you. hello. You're back, David Lyons, Megan Hanges, and making the trip a second time is Amy Kiahi Kamakazi, <laughs> uh, director of Atlas of Sioux Center. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, last time we met, we were talking a little bit about um, kind of the origin story of Atlas uh, with Jerry Keith, the original founder, and some of the, thing, the three pillars of Atlas, helping the hurting, uh, equipping the church, uniting the community. And we kind of focused really on helping the hurting. But um, today I kind of like to discuss something else a little bit. Um, you know, we're all Christians here, and I, I, if you're listening, I don't know what, where you're at. But um, there's a couple of things that, as we were talking, you know, about what to share just really came to our mind. And, um, you know, maybe someone listening to this will think, oh, we only work with people dealing with drug addiction or trauma or, or whatever it might be. And yet they may think, well, that's not me or I'm in the church or this or that, whatever. And actually what I'd like to kind of focus on today is that piece, that second pillar of equipping the church and reaching people within the church. And, um, before we do, I kind of wanted to share two quick sections of Scripture and let that be a segue. I don't need to talk that much because you guys are probably tired of me. Anyway, in Acts chapter 8, Philip the Evangelist, he goes into Samaria, and it says many people believed. There is a, uh, there is a, a man named Simon who was previously a sorcerer. It says that um, in Acts 8.13, it says, Simon himself believed and was baptized. He followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Then later on, he tries to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Peter responds to him kind of harshly. But um, my point is, I want to say, in verse 23, Peter's talking to Simon, who is in the church. It says he, he believes, he's baptized, he's what we would quote, call a Christian, right? And it says, Peter says to him, For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Acts 8.23. And there are people out there listening, there are people within the church mm -hmm. today that maybe secretly their lives are filled, they're captive to something, sin, shame, guilt, pornography, whatever it might be, but they're also filled with bitterness. And that's yes. something we see a lot in the church, a lot of hurt. And then the other scripture I wanted to read is a prophecy about Jesus made in Zechariah 13. In Zechariah 13, uh, let's see if I can find it here, verse, verse 6, it says, If someone asks, what are these wounds on your body? They will answer, these wounds I was given at the house of my friends. Mm. these wounds I was given at the house of my friends. Yeah. And so often, you know, pertaining to Jesus, it was the Jewish people, but also his friends deserting him in his greatest time of need. But I think that sometimes people who have really been hurt by the church or within the church, they could say that, you know, I was wounded in the house of supposedly my friends, you know, and there are these people out there maybe listening that are either captive to sin and filled with bitterness, maybe through no fault of their own. Maybe some of it's their, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, passing the buck by any means, but, you know, this concept of people filled with offense, hurt, trauma, bitterness, and it's done by people who are supposed to love them, Yeah. you know, and, and um, I'll just, maybe, I don't know which one of you, Megan or Amy, wants to pick off from there, but um, that's just kind of what I wanted to start with. One thing I would add to that is then when somebody is hurt by the church um, without actually recognizing it um, and without going and getting healing, you just turn around and, and wound somebody else so often. Lash out at your worship director or your pastor. I mean, sometimes I think um, church staff people, leaders in the church are like giant dartboards. 
And people just feel like, well, if I'm mad about something, I'll just shoot another dart at somebody who's on the staff. I'll get mad at this person. I'll talk bad about that person. And, you know, that's, that is sin. That's, that's gossip and that's slander. Yeah. Um, the battle, the battles that happen on the inside of the church among Christians. Um, I, I know, um, I don't even know who the author of this is, but I, I'm an old, um, I got saved in the, um, era where DC talk was really popular yeah. and there's a G- the song Jesus freak. And at the, the beginning, there's a, a, maybe, you know, who said this, but there, it says, um, uh, what the unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable is um, Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then turn around and deny him by their lifestyle. And mm. we turn around so often and we deny Jesus by the way we act uh, without love. We yeah. act toward other Christians and we don't, we're not even doing it on purpose so often, but we're not healed. We're bitter. We're angry. We're hurt. And then we go hurt somebody else. I'm, I can't tell you how many people I know who were leaders in the church and today don't even go to church anymore because of something that happened yeah. in their own church. Yeah. You know, and Megan, I, Megan, for those of you who don't know, she and her husband, uh, Nicholas and Megan Hange, pastor of a church here in Spencer. And, um, you know, is, is that your experience? I mean, obviously you, you've come from a, what some would consider a really rough background and then now you're on the other side of it. What's, what's your story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, we see a lot of people. We see a lot of people that get hurt in the church. And then, like you said, they turn around and they never come back. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, they don't deal with those problems. They don't, they don't go and talk to anybody about them because they are so hurt. And then, um, you see so many people walking around with this like root of bitterness mm-hmm. in their heart and it just, um, I don't know, envelops their entire Festers. life. Mm-hmm. Everything stems from that root of bitterness. So, I mean, if, if someone's listening and, and they're talking about and maybe they realized, yeah, that's me. You know, I, I've been hurt. I've been wounded in the house of my friends. I've been experienced this at the hands of the, my so-called friends and or church leaders. Are there, are there, have you walked alongside someone, uh, either one of you, or have you gone through personally where you've dealt with that bitterness? And, and what, what are some practical steps that maybe someone could take that you know, the first thing would be sometimes is to recognize you have a problem. Yes. You know, but what are some practical steps that maybe either you've walked through personally or that you've helped some people walk through that have helped deal with some of these issues? Well, I think talk to somebody about it. You know, like if you just walk around with it and it's unaddressed, um, that's when it becomes a problem. So, you know, we have a lot of people who come into Atlas who will come and talk to us about what happened um, in their church. And um, to be able to find healing, I think it's really important to, like you said, acknowledge it, talk to someone about it. Um, there's a lot of tools out there. Um, one, of the, one of the tools that we will use sometimes in our office is uh, Neil T. Anderson's Seven Steps to Freedom, uh, where step three is bitterness versus forgiveness, and then dealing with that, and, uh, really going before the Lord and dealing with it. There's lots of other tools out there. Um, I know that my, our pastor at our church uses a, um, a program called Faith Walking, um, and that's really important um, to, I think, some of the faith leaders in our community to try to get healthy and make sure that you're dealing with the roots and dealing with the issues that um, have come um, from there. I've gone through module one of faith walking, and it was really um, helpful in just recognizing what are some vows that I made when I was young and what are some things that happened to me that maybe I'm still carrying with me. And yeah. we so often don't even realize what those are. We just we just um, innocently continue to act out of that pain and we're not we don't even know why we reacted the way that we did when somebody triggers us and then to really actually get insight into what that was and then go back there and deal with it and forgive it and recognize that the person who hurt me was also hurting you know I think that is is really helpful as well yeah absolutely we um 
So to get really vulnerable, we walked through a um, church leadership moral failure. Mm. And so we took on after that. And so there were a lot of people who were hurt by the church when we came on. And so it was really a different situation for us to to deal with some hurting people and to kind of walk people through their they're hurt with the church. But one thing that if you are someone who's listening right now and you are dealing with some bitterness and some hurt in the church, I would encourage you to find a pastor and talk to them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be your pastor. Um, but, but don't quit on the church. Right. Don't yeah. quit because not all church leadership, not, not all things are bad. Um, but the church is full of weak and broken and hurting people, yes. sinners. Yes. And that's, that's what happens sometimes when you, are, when you get with sinners and it, and it is not a get out of jail free card to step out of that. That's I think right. it's important to engage and, um, find a way in. And another thing I, w- I want to mention is uh, I also think that, um, especially people who are, who are born in the church and who grew up in the church, sometimes there, I've really encountered people who just want to kind of have control and they want to have power. Um, and I think it's really important for us to all recognize that the church doesn't belong to you. The church doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Jesus. That's right. Mm-hmm. And um, there are uh, there are going to be things always. There's going to be songs you don't like, worship styles you don't like, things the preacher says that you don't like. Um, and then, you know, I would also say that it's really important to let it go. It's not yeah. yours to carry. And it's not yeah. your church. It's, it's Jesus' church. And it's his bride. It's not your... Um, your thing that you get to decide all the things and tell somebody yeah. else how to do it. So I would just encourage you to kind of get sort of get real about that inside yourself because maybe recognize that sometimes we're carrying around sort of a, a control issue that we need to let go of as well. Yeah. And don't ever put your pastor or leaders on any kind of pedestal. I mean, that goes for anything aside from the church, any ministry, any business, anything like that. Don't put them up on a pedestal because they're only human. Yeah. Unless they're short and they need to reach something. And then put them on a pedestal so they can reach it. And then <laughs> I think these ladies need to learn a new button. Hey, I wanted to ask this, Amy. Um, you, if you remember the story, you might not. But I remember. Um, so every June, uh, the Atlas directors get together and you know kind of share life and and try to pour into one another. And there's a gentleman. Is it Greg Alderman? Yep. And he was was he Jerry's original pastor? Yep. Okay, so again, if you're first time listening, Jerry Keeft is the original founder of Atlas and the director of Atlas Group. And um, so last year we were together, and Greg, had, it was the first time I had met him. Greg uh, pastors a church in California, so he came to, he came back to, visit, yeah, uh, to Iowa okay. to help us um, with some training. And so he was telling a story, or Jerry, was, I, forget, I forget who brought it up, but he was telling a story about there was someone who had been hurt by the church. And so Jerry called Greg and, and said something to can you Can you kind of pick up on that yeah, story? He, um, so this person uh, wasn't going to church anymore and hadn't gone to church in quite some time, but they had been hurt by a pastor and was not Pastor Greg. It was a different pastor. So Jerry called Greg in and said, I need you to come in and just let someone yell at you. Are you cool with that? And Greg was like, okay. So he came in and then this woman, who I know quite well, um, just railed on him for all the things the church had done to her. And then he simply apologized. And I've actually used that a, mm-hmm. another time is I've, I've called a pastor in who wasn't the pastor that, the, in fact, the person so often you're carrying around pain and that person's not even here anymore or not even alive anymore. Yeah. You know, they've moved on to another church or they're not even around and you don't really have anyone to talk to um, or to, you know, to confront on the issue that you're dealing with. And um, I've had it, I've had that before where I've actually asked a pastor to come in and I'm like, just you don't have to make any excuses. 
um, I just need you to say I'm sorry on behalf of pastors. I'm sorry. And I've had, I've had a pastor who did that for me as well. And it's pretty powerful. It, there's actually something about, um, authority, the authority of the office of the pastor apologizing to you, yeah. even if that's not the pastor that did it to you, yeah. but on behalf of someone I've actually had, even in my own life, um, I had my own healing, um, from a pastor who came and said on behalf of the pastors of the, um, denomination of the church that you're in, I wanted to say that I'm sorry. And that was not okay. What happened to you? And I really experienced some freedom from that. And so this, um, this like, uh, trans trans, I don't know how to say this transition of, uh, authoritative power over to someone else and to have them actually humbly say, I'm sorry, has a lot of power. Yeah. So, um, I just kind of want to touch on, on something. So that would be amazing if someone's out there listening, if they had a leader to do that, but maybe they don't. Yeah. <clears throat> and yet the Bible says in Psalm 18, it says God condescends or he steps mm. down and he, to make us great. Right. And, and John chapter 13, if you're listening, uh, verses one through three, I'm going to quote it, not verbatim, but it says something to the extent of Jesus knew that he had come from the father and he was returning back to the father. He therefore knelt down, took off his outer garment, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and washed their and feet. And he actually had that same positional authority to yeah. step in for God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, but he was secure. Number one, he was secure in his identity, mm -hmm. right? He's, right? We talked about that last time. He's like, he knew he had come from God, was returning back to God. And then, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. said, anybody can be great because anybody can serve. And so if you're a leader, and all of us are leaders to some degree or another, you're a leader in your home, you're a leader at your job, you know, at, you just, I think it was John Maxwell who said, if you think you're a leader, but no one's following you, you're only going for a walk. But to some degree or another, most, okay, it's good. You laugh. Can I get the laugh button, That's please? actually a good one. Yeah. And, and it's not mine. I did give credit to John <laughs> Enjoy. And so, um, <clears throat> rabbit trails are not good because I get off track. Anybody can be great because anybody can serve. And, and so, um. Uh, somebody here is a leader. We're all leaders in certain spheres. But beyond that, if you're a person out there listening today and you are that person bound with bitterness, bound with gall, unforgiveness, I want to share a story and then I'll, I'll, I'll let the ladies finish up. But um, there's a story. I used to live in the Netherlands and we would go to Harlem several, a lot, uh, whenever people, the city of Harlem, not in New York, but in the Netherlands. And there's a lady named Corrigan Boom who her family... Um, they hid Jews during World War II, and uh, they were caught. Her her dad died in shortly concentration after, camp, and her sister died at the same concentration yeah. camp, Ravensbrück. And so, years she was she was released by a clerical error on a natural level. She was released, and so she was in her early to mid fifties, I think, at the time. She ended up traveling around the world, and one time she tells a story uh, in a book. I think it's called Tramp for the Lord, but um, she the old meaning of the word tramp, not the current meaning. And so um, she, she was speaking somewhere, and she recognized one of the former guards at Ravensbrook at the concentration camp, and he was notorious for just being, like, awful, right? And so um, he came up to her and said something to the extent of, um, Corey, I want to let you know that I've since become a Christian, mm -hmm. and I, I know I did all kinds of awful things, even though he didn't necessarily recognize her because he saw all kinds of ladies probably. Um, she recognized him. And he said, I just want to let you know if I'm telling the story right. I'm, I, I've asked God to forgive me, and I'm going to ask you to forgive me. 
Now, this is the place where her sister died. Yeah. Right? And so she said that she just felt it. As soon as she saw him, she felt this intense hatred. And she could not forgive him. Yeah. And yet, she, I think she said something like she prayed a quick prayer. And she said, Lord, I, I can't forgive him, but I'm willing to be willing to forgive him or something. And she stuck out her hand to, to shake his hand. Mm. And the moment that she stuck out her hand or the moment their hands contact, whatever it was, as an act of her will, not, not a feeling, but as an act of her will to make that choice, not saying it's okay, you know, not, not saying what you did was not good, excusing not excusing person. it, but leaving the, the judgment up to the Lord, yeah. leaving the results with him. You know, she said the moment that she stuck out her hand, took his hand, just a wave of love, all of the hatred, the bitterness, the anger was washed away. And then she was free. And then yeah. she was set free. That's the thing. I mean, so I, what, what is forgiveness and, and how, as we close, you know, what does that look like? One of the, um, the author, Neil Anderson, who I mentioned earlier, who um, he does the, uh, he wrote the book, The Bondage Breaker, and then yeah. he uh, authored the Steps to Freedom. Um, one of the things that he says in there is um, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. Yep. It doesn't make any sense. And yet we all do it. It's like the natural response is to protect ourselves. We're going to put up this wall. Um, and sometimes it's not even just against that one person. It's against the whole world. And pretty soon you're walking around mad at everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, that bitterness eats us alive. It, it makes us, it gives us pain. And half the time, the person who's um, holding on to that bitterness um, is is the one hurting, and the other person doesn't even know it. They That's don't even right. know what they did. Yep. I, I had one time somebody in my office who uh, we were dealing with some issues of forgiveness, and it was something that a girl said to her on the playground in third grade, and this was a 50-year-old woman. Right. There's no way that third grader remembers that. They, yeah. They're not being hurt by it, but you're continuing to be mad at everyone and hold up all these. I mean, you're, you're giving off vibes of anger because of something somebody said to you in third grade. And so that's obviously an extreme example. And you know, it's, it is healthy to put up boundaries against somebody who's hurt you. It's right, um, to make sure that you're, um, having some safe and healthy boundaries and maybe some, you need a professional to help you figure out what those boundaries are. But, but the bitterness, um, and, and uh, anger that some people carry around with them. And sometimes it's hidden. Some people are better at hiding it than others. I mean, there, there's some people that you can, you look at their face and you know that they're bitter people, that they've dealt with stuff. Um, yeah. And then there's other people that they're hiding it way better, but they still have um, walls and you don't even know it. And so it's really important. I, mean, I actually think this is um, identity, which we talked about at our last podcast, and then forgiveness, which we are talking about in this podcast. I think um, those are maybe the two biggest issues that most people are walking around Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Yeah, I, w- I would totally agree. You know, um, when me and my husband went through Teen Challenge, I actually went through the bondage breaker and the steps to freedom. Um, and one thing that one of our leaders said that has just completely stuck with me my entire life is that forgiveness is a choice. Yep. It, it's a decision of your will. Yes. And you have to decide, okay, I'm going to forgive you mm-hmm. today. And if I have to forgive you again in an hour, I'm going to make the choice mm-hmm. to forgive you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may take 10 years before you feel that forgiveness, or it could be instant, you know, like Corey Ten Boom. It could be like, okay, I've made this choice and wow, now I'm completely free. But if you continue to make that choice, um, it'll, it'll completely change your life. And the greatest leader who ever lived named Jesus, yep. um, modeled that for us on the cross as he was dying, he yes. forgave those who were hurting him right on the spot. Probably not because they deserved it, no, um, not at but all. because he knows what, what bitterness does yep. in your heart. And so he was modeling that for us and we get him as a model. 
Um, he equips us um, when we ask him into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive even the most unthinkable, um, difficult things, the abuses that no one can imagine. Um, we have the ability to forgive those things because the Holy Spirit um, lives in us and Jesus um, showed us how the, the path to do that. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, I kind of want to end with one more quote uh, by Corrie ten Boom. Um, she said something I, that stuck with me. Like I said, I have, I've had the privilege of going to their house and see where they hid the Jews and stuff. And one of the things they said, I don't know if her, it started with her dad, but she said, there's no pit that is so deep that God's love is not yet deeper still. Yeah. There's no pit that is so deep that God's love is not yet deeper still. And some of us are stuck in cycles or, or pits of shame, guilt, but some of us are stuck in cycles of bitterness, gall, offense. And, and um, you know, if you have a tumor, like, like I mentioned last time, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and going to have a, a double mastectomy here. Sometimes, you know, it requires cutting, to cut, the, cut the thing that's harmful out. And that's painful. And that's painful. But yeah. she has to be willing to, to go through that process in order to receive healing in life. And then, you know, of course, naturally speaking, there could be reconstructive surgery and things like that. But on the flip side, or uh, maybe on the same, same token, rather, um, emotionally or spiritually, to be willing to go through this process of sometimes it's painful yeah. as you remember these things, but it's the choice to let a physician or a good surgeon cut it out. And then on the back end, after, you know, you have whether it would be, quote, reconstructive surgery or physical therapy, after you go, you know, after we allow the Lord to bring these things to the light and cut it out, healing can come. And I just want to end on that, that the, the pit of self-destructive anger, frustration, offense, and holding on to this thing, God's love is deep enough and strong enough to reach us there. We just have to be willing to let him get there. So, yeah, yeah uh, I, I think we'll end with that. And yeah. again, thank you guys for your time. If you want to reach out to us here in Spencer, 712-580-3277. Um, want to mention this real fast. There's a Celebrate Recovery group. Uh, Megan, can you explain quickly what that is for people who don't um, know? Celebrate Recovery is like a faith-based um, recovery 12-step program, um, very similar to AANA, um, all dealing with life's hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And so if it's... Um, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, pornography, if you just have a root of bitterness in your life, if you've had some things that have hurt you in your life, um, it, it deals with that, takes you through the steps of denial, all of the regular 12 steps, but um, our higher powers. So Jesus. if someone's interested in that, how do they go? How do they hear about it? They just can go to our website, um, foundationspencer.com, or um, call the church 262-6292, 712-262-6292. And when do you meet for that? Thursday nights at 530 is our 12-step group. Um, it's closed, but May 5th actually starts our large group. So if it's after May 5th, you know, obviously you're listening to this, you can contact that church. Yep. And uh, again, thank you, Megan, for helping with this. And Amy, thanks for making the drive over from Sioux City. Sioux I'm Center. Sioux Center. I'm sorry. It's, it's now time to go eat because I'm getting hangry. Hangry. Just kidding. I'm not allowed to be angry or hangry. Hangry. Not allowed. No. Okay. Subscribe to our podcast. Um, we're on all streaming podcast locations. Um, and check the notes at the bottom of this podcast for some scripture references and things like that. Well, again, thanks you guys for your time and pray the Lord bless you. Have a great morning, evening, or afternoon.